Are you sitting comfortably? Good. Then we'll begin. We shall be as a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us. They can tell us we're crazy, and we can say, well, you haven't seen anything yet. Our society is complex, and we teach our students that they could just fix it. Go fix a military helicopter and see how far you get with that. But um, how are you, Bob? How are things? I'm great. Flat out busy. It's been good yeah. fun, though. Yeah, yeah, it's been... It's been kind of a wild time a kind of a wild busy time for the last while yeah how so because like you like it, it doesn't like COVID doesn't seem to have affected your job in any way shape or form no it's made me busier if anything to be honest with you yeah. um, more people want more uh, content content is a great word it kind of covers everything these days so everybody wants more content is yeah. the, the basic answer but everybody wants uh, hosted content I think is the big thing right now how do you mean um, everybody uh, well hosted with somebody in it the problem is that most content right now is like a beautiful drone shot of a cliff and you know people walking along yeah but that doesn't really convey emotion that's just kind of, we're used to that we've seen it now you know we've seen that beautiful that drone's been around four or five years now so we've seen all those shots before so people want things that are kind of presented by people they want someone a face that they can latch onto and go this i'm gonna to listen to this person talk about this thing yeah no, because even I was watching your BMW video today and just like the scenes from, you know, the uh, the mountains were insane. And obviously I, I live, yeah. well, not obviously, but I live near the Wicklow Mountains. So yeah. I'm in Knockline. So the Dublin Mountains are just like a 15 minute drive up the road. And you see people just driving up there just for the view, just to like sit in the car and have a picnic or whatever, just for the fact yeah. that it's... And like, I run up there sometimes and I just like turn over my shoulder and I'm like, oh, that scenery. It's like, it's so worth it coming <laughs> up here, you know? Yeah, I was lucky enough when I was on international trips with car companies to be running. Yeah. And so I'd be, I'd fly out to somewhere like Barcelona or or better, you know, you go to the Alps or you go somewhere like that out in, out in Italy. And the first thing you do, go to the hotel room and put on your runners and go for a run. It's a great way of learning the place. But yeah. I got to see some amazing views on foot that you just never see. So I asked the guys at the reception, go, where's the best place to go running? Yeah. And usually you find some runner there and go, if you follow that little mountain trail that goes across, you end up going somewhere. It's like an amazing place. No one else has ever been there. Of course they have, but no yeah. no uh, journalists. Most journalists are kind of chunky, overweight, red faced. You know, <laughs> just out of breath tired. before they get at the door. Like, yeah, yeah fair. Yeah, just tired. <laughs> morning, that's it. Um, but Paul, I suppose that one of the like first things I want to ask you is how how did you get this like this dream job? Because when I when I was working, like say I worked in Super Value when I was in college, and I just walk around the car park, being like, if I had the keys to that car, I drive it. If I had the keys to that car, I drive it. That's such a nice car. And like I walk around having this like fantasy in my head. I'm like, oh, someone pulled up in an i8. I'm like, oh, you know what? If I had the keys to that car, I drive it. Like, how do you how do you land that that job that every young child wants? It's well, I didn't know it could be a job. If right. I didn't know it was a job, I would have started much sooner. This is my problem. I didn't start. Yeah, I changed enough. my profession right away. <laughs> it's like, as soon as I found out you could do the, the only thing I had a, a, a latch on to was Jeremy Clarkson and me and Hammond on TV Top Gear. Like yeah, else, yeah, yeah. Or fifth gear. But I, their TV. So for me, that was like, that's something that happens out there on television. I yeah. have to do an ordinary job and I can watch these guys and join in with their laugh, but I can't do it as a job. Yeah. And then the recession came. Yeah. Uh, 2008, 2009, everyone in the country lost their job who had ordinary jobs. To really, all those jobs just evaporated overnight. And I was the same. Uh, mm. The whole place I was in just went out, went out of business. So I thought, I, I loved cars. I've loved cars my whole life. So yeah. I thought, I love cars. 
and I can do something, or I'm surely I can make a website. So I had no idea to make websites or make videos. I'd never made a video before. None of those things had happened. Yeah. And I just started a website. And I started writing about cars. I started getting press releases, going to websites, belong to car companies, right? Just, just pouring. I thought that's to do. Yeah. But so what I, was that like? How, like how, how, how do you go from like, um, here is a Fiat 500, the best first car in the world. And then it's like, how, how does that go for, to Audi being like, we have a new e-tron out. You come and do a review of this and video. Yeah. Like, how does that happen? That's, that's wild that's to me. That's the thing. There's a, there's a, I won't say there's a trick to it, but. Yeah. Have to persist. I think persistence is the key getting anywhere in life. It's not being really good. You've met people in your work and your daily life who are rubbish at their job, right? Fair. Yeah. But they've had it for 15 years because <laughs> yeah. they're persistent. They're still doing the job, but they're not yeah. very good at it. That's one so way persistency it, yeah. pays off. Yeah, okay. I fair. think persist- persistence is the good fun part of actually having a job. Uh, if you happen to be good and persistent, you're going to be the best at that job. That's that's really what comes out of it. So to get from the Fiat 500s, the very first car, the Renault Scenics and things, onto Audi e-trons, onto mm. Porsche Taycan, stuff like that, that's just persistence. You're there long enough. You become one of those people on the list that they call up. You also have an audience. The audience rely on you. When I don't put out a video, I get emails and text messages of going, "How come? what's wrong with you? Are you have you died? Are you okay? <laughs> Is everything all right? Because no videos appeared out. So you get a persistence from the audience who start to drive you to make more content. That's right. really what, what being persistent is all about. Yeah, so you you created this website during the recession because there's nothing else to do because, you know, jobs are gone and, you know, the the, the whole world is on its knees at this point. And how does, what, what what sparks the idea for that? Are you just like, you know what, I can write about cars now? Like, yeah, it was kind of, I love a car, so I'd love Top Gear. I'm a, I'm a Top Gear Anorak. Like, I could tell really? you what, what, what car they had on what adventure and which one. Well, I'm that kind of person. I really do pay right. attention to it. I loved yeah. it. I It was religion. Of a Sunday, once the new new series had started, you may forget it for the for that one hour, eight to nine on a Sunday. You may forget. It. Don't talk to me. Don't speak to me. Don't ring me, phone me, nothing. I just sat down and watched Top Gear. Yeah. So I was really an anorak for that. And I do the same thing with, uh, not quite an anorak so much for Fifth Gear, but I would watch that as well. I watch any car content on TV. So I, I was already equipped for this idea that I could do stuff in cars. Um, only once I actually started the website that I realized that people actually could give you cars. I didn't think that was a thing, right? I didn't right. think there was anywhere in Ireland you could just get a loan of a car other than a dealership. So I thought dealerships were first. Uh, and so Downies, my local dealership here, actually gave me a couple of loan of a couple of cars, like a Monday, a secondhand cars, used cars, Mondeo yeah. and stuff, just for an hour, just so I could take pictures of it and write a review of it. And I started to figure out what a review is. Right, okay. Because a review is not someone being nice necessarily. You know what yeah, I mean? You're critiquing, you're giving like feedback that's honest, yeah. I suppose, yeah. And then I realized that you needed a lot of experience to review a car to tell the difference between what kind of suspension is in this one. What is a McPherson strut? What is the alternative to a McPherson strut suspension? And why does that make a difference? You know, so you start to question, you start to develop a question as you realize that in every review, someone says, this has McPherson strut suspension. But what does that mean? In, 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 in yeah. random, you know what I mean? Yeah. So as a reviewer, you have to kind of educate yourself with that kind of stuff. And what's the difference between cross drill brakes or normal uh, uh, ceramic coated brakes or is, is, drum brakes worse than disc brakes and all this stuff that starts to come out but only because you start to test enough cars because once you've written six reviews of cars and you haven't mentioned the mcpherson strut suspension someone's gonna call you someone will go well what's the suspension like you have to know that answer yeah right 
Otherwise, it's just all all cars are great. This is great. This is a lovely car. Yeah. That's a lovely car as well. You know, the, and then suddenly no one's listening to you because because every car is great. So what else is he going to say other than the car is great? Yeah. So you have to add your own stuff. So once you start to get the hang of the the, the reviewing bit, which I think takes about six months of getting cars, you start to understand cars. Right. Uh, then you start to figure out that leather seats are better than this, that cloth seat does this, that Alcantara interiors like that, that kind of seat is better, all that sort of stuff. So um, once, once I got to that point, I realized the problem is everybody was writing reviews of cars. I literally mean everyone. They were everywhere. Interesting. Because, yeah, you find that once you get into a niche, you realize that, it's a lot bigger than you thought in the first place. Yeah. It's yeah, not yeah. really a niche. It's actually a job. And there's, you're right. now competing with people who are doing a job, right? Yeah, so yeah. you're because you're writing reviews, you're now competing with Auto Express, with Top Gear, with, you know, all the Irish Times, the Independent. You're in that exact same pool, right? So you realize you have, it's not competition, but you realize you do have to move yourself up a bit. You have to get going at something. Otherwise, you're just kind of part-time. You're not really doing it. Yeah. So it, it came to a point where I got a phone call. Uh, I think it was from Renault was the original phone call. So Renault rang me and says, we like what you're doing on the website. It's great. Do you want a press car? And I went, what's a press car? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. And, it, and then it was explained to me that there was a pool of cars that was kept reserved, particularly for the press to review. These were these were what to call the press cars. Yeah. So I went, sure, yeah. So for the next like four weeks, I had week after week, I had a Renault for four weeks in a row, right? Which doesn't give you a lot of, everything's Renault, right? So, you know, it's the yeah. same infotainment system, it's yeah, the car, yeah. bigger or smaller is really what's going on. But I was delighted. But I had to take buses then after that. So I ended up stuck in Dublin, not having the press car to come home. And so I had big gaps in the calendar and and uh, trying to figure out. But I thought, I, I exactly the same conclusion. I'm going, everybody's doing what I'm doing. Everybody's writing a review. Yeah. No one is making a video of a review. I was going to ask, yeah, that, that obviously led on to YouTube then, yeah? Yeah, that's when I thought I got to do something else other than just do what everyone else is doing. I could literally copy and paste somebody else's review here and I'd, I'd get the same thing. Yeah. But I didn't want to do that. I want to do something else. So I started a YouTube channel. I made a really rubbish first video. As everyone says, um, yeah. Yeah, the first one was like done on a DV camera, which is actually here behind me. That camera back there is actually the first camera I used. an old tape camera. So yeah. it was crap. Uh, it was rubbish. The mic was terrible and all. Uh, I tried to cut that. And I had to figure out how to cut things, what software, how do you cut, how do you edit, how do you, all that stuff I had to figure out. Then I bought a different camera entirely and went to um, uh, the launch of the Nissan Leaf 10 yeah. years ago, 11, maybe 11, 12 years ago now, but uh, the launch of the Nissan Leaf in Ireland. And it was done up in Grand Canal Dock one evening. The first, the first purchaser of a Nissan Leaf in Ireland was his woman. So I went along, stuck a video camera in uh, and started just filming things, just looking and filming and Nissan gave me an iPad. I'd won an iPad for the best coverage of the night. An iPad Amazing. one. I still have oh, it. Yeah. It's I, a, I have one too, yeah. Unreal. It still works too. It's great. It's, Amazing. it's a war horse of a thing. Um, and it's massive and it weighs a ton now. When you think of how technology's moved on, just 10 years, things yeah. are tiny and weigh nothing. But um, uh, after I got the iPad, that was like a tick. It was like a moment going, oh, I was the only, and I, I looked on YouTube specifically to see why they'd given me the iPad, not the Irish Times or anything else. And because I was the only one who made a video. It was Pretty the good. only video of the night. Yeah. So that'll tell you how far ahead that video became. Now, of course, you turn to an event now, everybody's got a camera, right? There's, there's phones everywhere. Everything's yeah. pushed up online. But at that stage, there was only YouTube. There was no other video outlet. Yeah. It was just YouTube. So I put that on. That's still on YouTube. It's my first video. So the first video on my channel was actually an electric car video. So yeah, keep it there. That was the first one. Yeah. You're ahead of, ahead of the yeah. game in so many fronts, electric cars, video cameras. 
Yeah, it's uh, like in the last ten years, everything has changed. If there isn't a single yeah. thing that's the same as it was back then. The first generation Nissan Leaf now wouldn't hold a candle to the current model electric cars, and yeah. neither would my camera, neither would my editing suite. Like I'm sitting here in an editing suite, Windows I'm surrounded by maker. screens. Yeah, it's totally different now, you know. Yeah. So then, obviously, that led you to go into TikTok. Then I assume just like following the trends of what's going on. Yeah, I've always been a social media mover. So whatever, if someone starts a social media, I'll create an account even just to hold the username. That's fair. Yeah, you know yeah that makes sense. Just in case someone else turns up as Bob Flavin something or other on that account and impersonate me, which does happen quite a lot. Um, so I'll generally just create an account and just sit on it then and see where that social media is going to go because they're all brilliant by the start. You know, the first couple of months, everybody's going, wow. There's all hype about this. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the new, it's shiny, the new thing. it's lovely. Everybody should go here and then you go and you find out it's a bit rubbish. Yeah. And everybody goes back where they were. <laughs> yeah, like shiny object syndrome. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like Clubhouse, which Clubhouse oh. is open now. Clubhouse is, oh, yeah, but is it like open in terms of if you can just make an account without getting an invite? No, you have to get an invite account yeah, yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. which yeah. I got an invite for. It was, this guy was very excited, giving me a huge, this is going to be the next big thing. It's the best thing you've ever done in your life. And you go and you realise it's just voice notes, essentially. Yeah, pe- people are just talking. Yeah, no, I, to be fair, I've I've accidentally clicked into something when I got a notification and just been in a room full of Russian people not knowing what's going on. Yeah, I'm like, ah, that's okay. me too. First time okay. I was in, there was a whole heap of people talking about something. I can't remember what they were even talking about, but it's just this wall of noise coming at me. And yeah. there's a guy who was moderating or something in the middle of was going, I don't really understand, but this is not yeah. video. I'm video. Yeah. If, yeah. if it can be videoed, I like the videos. I don't, I'm not not a big audio person although i love audio but uh, i wouldn't be clubhouse wouldn't necessarily be my top priority at the moment until it gets enough if there's no eyeballs there there's not much point in me creating an account there yeah that's unless fair. i want to hang out with people you know yeah i mean like i suppose it works for people who want to have debates and long conversations about different things like if that's what you're in it for then by all means but most people make- are trying to sell you something as well which oh. is the problem on a lot yeah. of social media you know follow me i want to send you my course on how to become a millionaire you know and you're yeah. going well, um, no i'm all right thanks <laughs> yeah have you invested in bitcoin yet and then they just give you the whole spiel yeah i know it's great yeah that's the thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's it yeah how do you feel about bitcoin how do you feel yeah. about Do dodge dogecoin dogecoin or all that sort of thing you kind of go yeah i don't know really. <sighs> I, was, I was sitting with the lads last week and all of them were around and being like it's it's gonna go to 420 it's gonna go to on the, and just like Given it yeah. loads about how Dogecoin is going to hit like 69 euro and 420 or something. It will because everybody's talking about it. Then people will stop yeah. talking about it, just fall through the floor as usual. Yeah. Like everything else. It's all swings around. But if you understand something, I'm cool with people investing in stuff. But what happens is a bit of a trend happens and everybody has a bit of money at the moment because they've yeah. been getting either a COVID payment at home or they've been getting paid to stay at home and haven't been spending it on holidays or, or cars or clothes or whatever because everything's closed. Yeah. So everyone's sitting on a little bit of money and they're all kind of looking at their bank balance going, maybe I should invest it. And then they're going, Bitcoin, because that's what everyone's talking about. Yeah. But Bitcoin is such, I have a little, now I mean a tiny, I got 15 euros worth of Bitcoin a couple of years ago. And it's now it's five hundred and something euro, right? It's not a huge amount, of money, but it's it that's, was fifteen quid on a fifty, yeah, on an original investment. Like that's yeah, that's a big increase. I have like it is hundred and something euro on Revolut. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I just I just left it. I never touch it. I never go near the thing. I never I never open it. Just every once in a while, I'll open the app and have a look and see what it's at, and yeah. I leave it alone. But like I see other people trying to do day trading and stuff, and they're trying to get money in and out and in and out, and it's it's it's, it's that's a job. Like that's the yeah. last thing you want to be doing. It's that's so fair. volatile. I've yeah. seen my my stuff go down to a hundred quid and back up to nine hundred quid. Yeah, in a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's wild. So, like, 
Yeah. You just and you'd ruin yourself if you were just sitting there looking at it all day, watching the thing go up and down and up and down and up and down. Yeah. And then, and then it you plummets. Kick yourself, you're not right. Like people, people yeah. go wild at this stuff if they're not if they don't pick the right time and they're, they're too late. And some guy says hey, last week Dodgecoin was worth like five hundred million euro. You could have had a million euro in your account. And now said you got a hundred euro. You know, it's yeah. it's crazy. So it's it's too crazy. wild for me. To be fair, I did. Uh, I was someone at home who was sitting on money and I wanted a new car and I got one. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know because I, I mean new, I mean new for me. It's not new, new. Like I, I had my, my first car, which was my little 06 Volkswagen Polo, you know. Good car, yeah. The, the classic. The very um, stable, very, very, very secure. That's yeah, a secure. It's it's a reliable car. It's a great, you mm-hmm. know, young male driver first car. Uh, it is. I remember that when the car It's a Volkswagen, came, so it's a yeah. little bit posh. Not, I mean. Not say it. Yeah, no. exactly. It's not a Leon. It's not. It's not a Fiat. It's not going to break down on me. Yeah. Um. And I remember. I remember even back before I got. I got the car. The guards coming into our school because it was an all boys school, and they were talking about YMD. Do you know what this means? We're like, no. It's like young male driver, and here's what's wrong with you before you even get started. <laughs> we're all male drivers. We get it so hard. All the time. Yeah. And um, oh, it was so bad because even when I thought of, I ha- I've had the notion of changing my car for a few months, and then um, my girlfriend's friend, her boyfriend got insured on an A4 for the same price as my insurance on my 1.2 litre Volkswagen Polo. And I was like, something just doesn't add up here. What's wrong? Yeah. You know? And um, I, I like, I have no claims bonus of like four or five, four years because I didn't count it when I was a learner and on my mom's car, unfortunately. But um, anyway, I, I ended up upgrading the other week to an A4 because, you know, I just, I wanted something bigger, something that felt more official. You're moving a, up in the world for yeah, yeah. It's good, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, but yeah, and something that, Kind of when I was looking at cars and new cars that struck me and you touched on it on your most recent video and I saw it on TikTok originally and then I went over to the most recent video was the VRT and how that's ridiculous. Like the, you were, I think you were reviewing the, the BMW M4, this, the yeah. competition and then you just broke down the price with the, why, why is, why is that? Like I, I know Brady Ahern introduced it and it's supposed to be a temporary thing like USC that kind of stuck around as well. And then there's always a temporary tax to realize how much money that tax brings in. <laughs> but it just it makes no difference. It makes no sense because how is it that a, like a 16 year old American can drive like a Mustang on their first car, and then I get hockeyed out of it by tax and insurance for like a 1.2 Volkswagen Polo? Tragically, uh, in America, you can buy that same M4 competition fully spec'd out with all of the bells and whistles that you could ever want for eighty thousand dollars. What? Which is about 65, 63,000 euros. So it's actually cheaper to buy it in America than we can buy it from BMW plant directly. That's insane. Why? Yeah, 77,000 euro here if you want to buy it in this country. That's without any taxes on it, 77 grand. Then it yeah, goes up from there. Like 104, I think you had on the thing. Like, Yeah, it's a, it scales its way on up to 140, 150 grand if you really want to try to spec it out to the very top. So, but like the problem with VRT, VRT was, was to protect. So the car industry is in a constant state of protection. There's <laughs> okay. a number of things that are working against the car industry here. One is we drive on the wrong side of the road to drive European cars. Right. So if you want to buy a car in Germany, uh, you can. There's nothing wrong with you buying a car in Germany, you want to bring it here, but it's going to be left-hand drive. Okay, so it's going to be on the wrong side of the car. Yeah. Um, so we drive on the wrong side of the road to get the European cars. So we're forced to take the cars in from England. Right. And that means that people who want to buy an ordinary car here should be able to buy it in England if they wanted to. Yeah. So we brought in a thing that would stop them doing it, which is VRT. Now, before that, we had a thing called excise duty. It was the sa- exactly the same principle. VRT yeah. was brought in afterwards. The EU 
didn't deem it illegal, but it did disagree with everybody to say it's, it's the wrong thing to do. It's against the spirit of the EU to have this excise duty, essentially VRT is an excise duty, on anything coming in. Because if you buy a fridge in France mm-hmm. and you ship it to Ireland, you've no more tax to pay. All right. Because you've bought the product and you paid tax within the EU, so you're no longer taxed anywhere else in the EU for that same product. You cannot be taxed. It's actually illegal under EU law to be taxed again uh, for any product. The only exception to that is cars. And that's where that's because they tax the license plate, not the car. Yeah, you were saying like that it costs this much extra just to have the white license plate in the front. Just to have an Irish. And it's by law, you have to have the license plate. So there's this kind of catch-22 where they say that, you know, well, we have, you have to, you don't have to change, but you do have to change the license plate. So there's this kind of catch-22 where you're going to end up paying VRT anyway. That's outrageous. And then like certain types of license plates are illegal as well, which I only found out about the other day, which is That's right. There is a very particular license plate we have in this country that's the only one that's actually legal. Although there's lots of skirty ways around it. Yeah. But like, why? Like, that makes no sense to me, though. And we're just getting hockeyed out of it. It seems like the reason we can't have nice things or nice cars is just because the government would whack in this tax on. Like, exactly. The it's the reason we have pretty boring cars in the road of Ireland. If you go over to London and yeah. stroll around for a while, you're going to get passed by by Aston Martins, Rolls Royces, yeah. Jaguars. They're all bought there. They're made there. They're driven there. We don't buy them here. If we do, we hide them because it's it's just so expensive. You know, it's hugely, prohibitively expensive to drive an Irish registered sports car in this country. And that's not, it's, it's VRT is to do with CO2 emissions, do with other emissions, but we get taxed again on emissions later on anyway. We pay motor tax that is related to our emissions in the car. So yeah, we get double tax on emissions. Yeah, yeah, so the Same. amount of taxes we're paying when it comes to cars. Cars uh, is a very big industry for the government, and I think they're being very short-sighted, not understanding that they're making cars so prohibitively expensive that people are just going to stop buying them. Yeah, I mean, well, everyone wants a push to electric now, which is obviously, like you were saying, the first thing that you went to was the Nissan Leaf, which has obviously led the way, I, I'm going to say, for electric cars, because you had that, and then I suppose the next thing became the Zoe, because that was affordable. Yep. And then after that, you probably saw like the high-end things like Teslas and BMW with their i8s. I know, I think that's hybrid, actually. And then, you know, the Audi with the e-tron and everything like that coming yeah. out. But like, they, if they want to push to electric, and I know they're creating tax breaks in terms of um, the grants that you get as well, and the installation cost of the charity. You have an electric car, actually, don't you? You have the MG, is what you're saying? I have the MG ZS currently. Yeah. I've actually driven an ID3 this week as well, which is Volkswagen's electric wow. car. So I have the two of them there. It's lovely. But like, if they want to get us to jump in the direction of new electric cars to meet these mandates of lowering all these emissions very soon, then they're going to have to ease up on some of these, aren't they? They, yeah, they will have to do something. The problem is, if electric cars were really, really good and really affordable, you wouldn't need to grant them for them selling them. That's fair, yeah. Okay, so if if you want to encourage people into cars, you to make good cars is the first thing, and make them affordable is the second thing. So that's the two bits. So you got you got the logic of brands. So like an Audi shouldn't really be affordable. Saying you have an affordable Audi doesn't really work with the brand because it's a luxury brand, right? Right. Okay. Same for Mercedes. Same for you know Deval BMW's got the same principle. So, but they are becoming affordable, but their electric cars aren't. But if you look at the affordable brands like Dacia, um, mm-hmm. Renault, um, MG, those kind of cars. Dacia have a thing called a Dacia Spring. They can't bring it in here because it's going to be too expensive, which is an electric car. It's a Dacia Sandero, essentially electric. Uh, it's too expensive here under VRT rules. It's it's more expensive than a Zoe to bring it in. So it wouldn't make any sense for them to do that. So this is where the taxes start to mess with your yeah. head. And if they ever take away the grant, so the, the, the managing director of Peugeot Group, Peugeot, whatever country you're from, um, he said 
who wants the grants are gone in any country that electric car sales fall off a cliff. So they tried it in a couple of countries where the grants were good and cars were selling well. And the minute yeah. they go, no, nah, that's the end of the grants, then the sales just fall away instantaneously. People won't buy the car. So what's what's wrong with the grant that's causing the sales that we should need a grant in the first place? There's so it's something just, wrong in that system. Yeah. So it's just the cars are too expensive. The cars are way too expensive. Yeah. If you look at the average, like a, a Hyundai Kona, which is one of the smaller electric cars, very good range. So that yeah. it will do the kind of 400 kilometer range, but it's actually quite a small plasticky car. When you actually take away the range part or t- stop talking about the electric end of it, it's actually just a small little cramped five door hatchback. Uh, that is without any grants, 49,000 euro. Yikes. 49 grand would get you a petrol three series. So yeah. you're into BMW, Audi, Mercedes. You're in the luxury brand price, but you're driving a plastic Korean car. Christ. What, like, and then they grant it. They, a 10 grand comes off that, so they call it 39 grand for the car. So uh, what you take about a grant, though, that car becomes stupidly expensive. And that, that's there's the problem. The, the grant is distorting the value of the price of the market. The, the grant yeah. is pushing people into electric when actually the electric is way too expensive. Yeah. And like, obviously that's going to come down in the next few years, but the question is like, do they keep the grant? Like what, what's the crack? How are they going to actually do you keep the grant and trade-in values? Like, do you count the grant and the, tra- was the car worth 59,000 euros when it comes to a trade-in or was the car worth 39,000 euros on the trade-in or what was the value of it when it was sold? If it was granted down to 49 grand, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So that's if you, the, if, the if you like trade in, if you trade in like a Tesla or something, that's say like a model three, I don't know, that's starting at what? Like, 40, 40 grand some, somewhere. 40 something thousand, yeah, for yeah. model trees. And you get what, a five grand worth of yep. grand of that? Is and that then s- a five grand uh, VRT rebate. So you take another five, you take 10 grand off the price of any electric car, basically. And you only get the grant if you're buying it for the first time. Sorry? Yes, you can get a, another, you can get a five grand grant, but you don't get the VRT rebate out the second one, I think. There's some there's some weird stipulation out the second car. Interesting. So mm. you, if you're buying a car, you're better off just buying it first hand. Because otherwise, yeah, right now, yeah, or wait. I, I, if I was buying an electric car right now and I wanted to buy a secondhand one, I'd wait another three years to buy secondhand yeah. ones because there's good cars coming out now that'll be traded in in two or three years. Interesting. Yeah, like the um, I saw that that new um, was it Honda's little box car, the little electric. Yeah, one? the little Honda E. Yeah, that's, cute. that's a little cute. It car. is the cutest car that's ever been built. Unfortunately, yeah. that word is what Honda's going when you stop calling it cute. Because really? <laughs> you know, it's, it's not just cute, it's actually a capable <laughs> car with screens. And you can't sit there yeah. going, nah, it's just yeah. cute. Yeah, it, it's like a nice washing machine on wheels. You know what I mean? That doesn't make it's, any yeah. noise. Yeah. It is lovely. Um, another thing I want to talk to you about was, you know, um, I don't know if you've been driving down the M50 recently, but they have those new... I don't know. They're like cameras. And then I see the article about how they're going to introduce speed cameras that are just constantly there. And then also Average speed cameras. Yeah. Yep. And then adjust the speed limit on the motorway based on the, but what is it like a, an adjustable speed limit based on how much traffic there is or how much yeah. these cameras pick up. Why? Like why, why is that becoming a thing? Why do they? There is a like mad logic this? behind some of this. The, the biggest problem is, so average speed cameras, what they do is take your, your speed coming into the zone and your yeah. speed leaving the zone. And in that zone, you should have covered that distance in a certain amount of time if you were under the speed limit. Okay. Right, so okay. the speed limit is, is the speed limit. It's a hundred kilometers an hour uh, and you do 102 kilometers an hour for the whole length of the speed zone, you will be speeding. You've broken the average speed limit at the other end, right? Yeah. You could have entered a zone at 120. You could yeah. leave the zone at 80 and not be speeding because it's average. I see. I see. Okay? I see. Yeah. So average speed cameras are dangerous, I think, yes. because people just drive at 80. 
<laughs> when the speed limit's 100 to go, oh, I have to watch yeah. the speed. Oh, I'm just going to sit here looking at my yeah. speedometer all the way there. So I, I deemed it to be a little bit dangerous. But the logic behind this is the M50 exits are not good enough. They're actually rubbish. That's you look at Ballymount. Yeah. Think of the Ballymount exit. How many people get off the, the motorway in Ballymount, right? Yeah. To go in there to TV3 offices, to go into Calman Park, to go into all of those industrial estates. But there's only one lane. Yeah. yeah. One lane. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, everyone's it's trying to get into the lane. Yeah. So the, the, the problem is you get the queue that wanders out onto the motorway and it stretches all back onto the lanes and lane one, lane two starts to become blocked and lane three is the only one open. So the principle or the idea of having a, a variable speed limits is that they can slow you down way back off of Bedrada. So they can change the speed limit up there to 60 until the problem is cleared further on. So you never actually have to stop. That's the, that's a principle. In reality, you're going to get a speeding ticket every time you see a speed sign. Christ. Yeah, that makes sense. Because that's I was thinking, the reality of these things. I was thinking about this. Like if you're coming off the junction and say, or if you're coming off the slip road and say you you accelerate to whatever it is, like straight away 120, and you continue on that 120 and say that stretch of road is 80 when you're coming off the the um, the junction, like will you still you'll get charged? You know what I mean? And then if you're changing the speed, like if you're changing this, if you're changing speed so quickly. Like you might crash, or I'm not saying if you're changing speed, but if you don't know that the speed limit's X and you're going at Y, yes, like, and you're trying to keep an eye on things and you haven't read the thing on the banner that says the speed limit is now whatever, yeah, just you've it just, to be doing like, yeah, like just, just focus on where you're going. And even still, I can't imagine there'd be a free lunch that says, oh, because we changed the speed limit down at Ballymount, Drawhead is going to be backlogged now, and it's like, yeah. That's the problem. This yeah. is what the the plan. See, health. You lose a lot of your freedoms through health and safety in the world, right? So essentially, I I live. I was born and lived through a period where basically there was no health and safety. So we all yeah. did mad stuff and got away with it, uh, and we all did stuff that hurt us and damaged us and did stupid things to us. And we and we got away. Now health and safety now has this governance over everything you do. So yeah. everybody goes. That's not safe to do that. So you can't do that anymore. So, so the health and safety end of it will start to tell you that if we slow everybody down to be less collisions yeah. and anyone who's ever been through a collision on the M50 will know that the M50 is like oh my god the yeah. minus little rear end and the whole thing comes grinding to all yeah. but the actual problem is the exit size on the M50 and the secondary problem is we have no training in this country on how to do lane discipline on a motorway none of us have ever had official training of motorway driving and what do you mean by lane discipline because that's something I've never Lane discipline is just picking the right lane to drive in. So always driving in the left lane, always driving in lane one. Yeah. And then overtaking lane two and then overtaking lane three when you need to. But none of this is in your driving instruction this or in true. your tests. You're not tested on the motorway. You're yeah. literally given an end plate and go, off you go. Now yeah. learn whatever it is you want in the motorway from other drivers. Go for it. That's exactly what I remember when I was going to, after I passed my test, I was going to the license center to get my picture taken because I wanted to do it straight away, and I had to get, I had to go on the motorway. It's my first time being on the motorway, so I was like, "Is, yep. is this okay? Is this safe? Like, should we not be on the motorway from the jump, or not even from the and jump?" It's just like terrifying. It is so terrifying. Everyone's going at a, a speed that you've never driven at before. Everyone's zooming by at 120 kilometers an hour, and if you if you've only driven say like 50 max 80 on a, a road before, and then you're automatically just the the next step is 120 up, you're gonna yep. feel like you, you're gonna die. And what happens is people become sheep. <clears throat> so they get into the middle lane sheep. and they sit behind every other car in the middle lane yeah. like big sheep because that's safe. Because yeah. if you stick with the car near you, you think he knows what he's doing. So I just follow that guy, right? Yeah. So you sit in that middle lane. 
And so I have my own lane on the M50 and on the N7 where there's three lanes and it's the one on the left. It's always empty. I just drive along. Just the odd truck goes into it here and there. But basically I have that lane onto myself because everybody thinks that that lane has something to do with trucks and I just stay in the middle lane. It's much safer here. I'm going to stay where I am. And that's down to, to the dismal amount of training in this country that we have. You're taught to pass a test in this country by the instructors. That's not the instructor's fault. Yeah. The RSA give you all of the tools to pass the test, but you're not taught to drive here. Yeah. Driving here is taught at a different level. If you look at northern countries, you have to do a rally skate, a rally stage in Norway for your part of your driving test. You, you have, have to learn to drive on loose gravel. Amazing. Just in Finland, you have to learn to drive on snow. So you have to take your test during the summer where there's exactly. no snow. You have to take your test again in the winter when there is snow. You have yeah. to pass both types. Uh, so there's all kinds of things that we completely obliterate here. We don't have a driving test here in the rain. We don't have one when it's snowing. We don't have one when it's frosty. If there's any fog, they're also cancelled. There's more tests cancelled here because of weather than anything else. Really? Yeah, because they won't try. What, what happens to you when you're a driver fully qualified out there and it begins to snow? What happens yeah. then? I was going to say, the first time I drove on the snow, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, I, it, came down, it came down really heavy. When, I think it was like 2018 or something like that. And it came down really heavy. And this is like the first time. Like you've, you've had ice before. That's fine. You know, just watch yourself. And then it gets to snow and yeah. you're literally going like a plow just through the thing. And if you're the first one up in the morning plowing the streets for everyone else behind you, you're going to start You're going to start on the right side and finish up in the curb or something like that. Yeah. It's outrageous. That's the problem. That's what we don't have the training. We don't have the facilities here to train staff to actually do this stuff and to train users out there. So we just let young people, they turn 17, here's your 12 lessons, spend six months having a cruise around with your dad or ma sitting beside you for a while. Now you're fully qualified. Off you go. That's it. You pass your test. Good luck. Yeah. Enjoy those motorways out there that are all over the country that you can drive 120 kilometers an hour at with trucks yeah. all around you and yeah. <laughs> junctions and speed limits and things. The stuff you just don't understand. You go for it. So what do you think should be done? Like if you had a magic wand saying just wave it over the RSA, what, what, do you, what do you need to fix it? We need to give driving instructors more power. Driving instructors have literally no power. So driving instructors just fills boxes and ticks boxes along the way. But there's actually some really good driving instructors out there who could yeah. teach you things about road craft and actual road craft course. I also think we should have a proper safety course that you must take before you actually go on the road. And that can be done in places like Rally School Ireland, Bondello. There's other places around the country where you can do that in a safe sense. Yeah. But my ultimate goal, and this is actually what I want a minister to do, and if I became minister of transport in the morning, I would instigate this, is number one, in third year in school, lessons would start for driving. Oh, I you think that's actually, amazing, yeah. On a monthly basis, you would go for a driving lesson with a driving instructor on an off-road section. So you wouldn't be on public roads, you'd be on private roads. Yeah. Uh, and that would continue all the way through till you're 17. And at 17, you would actually be taking a test. So yeah. from 15 to 17, for two whole years, the actual school will teach you how to drive the car. So by the time you, it's like driver education in America. So by the time you're coming out of school at 18, leaving cert, you've got nearly five years worth of experience already driving. Yeah. You've no, done everything. You've done every I, part. I used to be not envious or jealous, but I used to look at the other schools who got to go to like the simulators. Yeah. You know, and I was like, what, why can't we do this? Like, is this, is this not something that we should learn to do at an early age? Like all of us are going to have to learn to drive at some point. Training it, is, the, is the answer to everything. Yeah. Teaching training is the answer no, to every problem you've got. Education yeah. is the king of all, and we don't educate our, our young drivers enough. Is this something that you've only gotten, say, passionate about or like had a strong view about since you started, I suppose, driving more and be doing all this auto journaling? Yeah, in the last 10 years, particularly once you once because I've done training courses with like Audi and BMW and, and the, the advanced training courses that they send you on because they want you to drive M5, M3s. They want you to drive really high-performance cars. Hmm. 
they don't want you to crash. So what they do is they bring you to a racetrack, they put a professional stunt driver with you or a race driver with you. I've driven with Formula One drivers and stuff as well who give you all the insights of how a car dynamically turns in corners and what it feels like. And then I spend days up in Rally School Ireland, the lads up there train you too. Mandela has taught me a lot of here as well. So with all that track training behind you, you bring that to the road. And yeah. then you begin to look around you watching other drivers driving. You go, that person hasn't a clue what they're doing. And yet they're fully qualified, just as qualified as I am to drive their car. Or even yeah. teach. They could go teach people how to drive. Oh, it doesn't make sense. It also doesn't make sense that they wouldn't have someone who's as well skilled in say, transport and driving to look after a sector like this. Like, it baffles me when I hear, like, a politician was a teacher and is now Minister for Health. I'm like, that doesn't matter. I know, and our Minister for Transport is the Green Party, which doesn't make yeah. any sense. He's never had any experience in that role as, as a Minister for Transport. Just not slagging off the Green Party and transport or CO2, I mean, not, nothing yeah. to do with that. You just want someone in the, in the transport section, in the Ministry for Transport, you need somebody very, very tough. You really do. It is a, such a heavy sector. You're dealing with very big personalities in that sector. Trucking, buses, public services, uh, trains, and also then you're dealing with taxi drivers. It's all transport. It's all part of it. Then you have airplanes, Ryanair. That's all part of the transport. It's all Minister right, of Transport yeah. stuff. And if you put someone from the Green Party who's quite, probably a very nice man, but he's probably a very soft person as well, you know. Right. Very agreeable, we'll say. Doesn't yes. have much. I would uh, say he probably, yeah, spends his day yeah. going, yeah, yeah, no yeah, problem. Yeah, 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 I should yeah. do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. You want to do what? You want to get all the cars off the road? No problem. Yeah, we'll do that. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about the, um, just when you're saying get off all the cars off the road, what do you think about the whole pedestrianization of like the cities? Well, I actually, I know this is probably going against everything that people say that I'm like a petrol head, but I actually think we do need to get rid of cars out of cities. They really shouldn't necessarily be there. We build, we build whole cities around roads, right? Mm. If you look at the layout of most cities, it's built around a car in the first place. About using public transport is is very secondary. Look at the layout of the Lewis. It kind of follows some of the roads here and there, but it actually made up some of the roads on its own. It still follows the car, even if it's a train. We, we should have built an elevated track for that. Why didn't we yeah. do that? Or a subway yeah. system. But elevators could be built overnight, just as quick as they built the road track. So... The problem with cars is if you jam them all into a city, if you've got a million people living in a city and you put in half a million cars, so only half the population has, that's a half million cars. A car is now five meters long. Your right. average car is four and a half meters to five meters each. So on a hundred meter section of road, how many cars can you park? It's only a hundred meters. You yeah. start doing the maths. Cars don't fit in cities. Like, yeah, no, that's fair. But I, I'd agree with that. In fairness, I don't think that cars should be in cities, especially when you can only go thirty kilometers an hour. And then yes. if you pick any difficult hour, it's just backed up. There's no way yeah. you're getting in and out in any easy way, shape, or form that's taking you less than forty-five minutes. Yeah, you can't. And it, like, it's pointless. It's lovely to sit there when it's absolutely lashing rain outside, and you're sitting in your lovely little car, and you're parked at a traffic light behind sixteen thousand other cars waiting to get out of the place. That's yeah. really nice and romantic. I'm sure it is. But you're going to be there an awful lot longer than you would be if you just got onto a bus. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And like, even that needs improving. Like you were saying with the the Lewis, th- there was no reason that we didn't like build an underground train system before now because and even still people are gonna be like that's that's the meter of my gap pitch that you're taking away and i need this for my essential sport it's like come on like you want it and i'm gonna give it to you and you still don't want it i, I just we I, need a, I, a modern infrastructure transport system in ireland and we're dealing with dark ages of stuff everything is built around dublin everything is yeah. is the answer to everything is the lewis every single time the, yeah. the answer well we built the lewis like but you still can't go from the green line to the red line 
on one dream. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. if you did, I guarantee you, if I set off from the Red Cow Roundabout in a car, yeah, right beside a Lewis, I would reach the city centre first in the car. The That's Lewis is still yeah. desperately slow because it stops for traffic lights. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why didn't we build an L where it doesn't have to stop for traffic lights? Yeah. <laughs> so, or even so, so easy. Why, why don't we just branch out so everything's not in the city centre? That's the big part of that as well. We've already moved. I mean, uh, like I live in Leash. Yeah. Leash is a population of uh, 37, 38,000 people, something like that for the whole of Leash. Most of them live in Port Leash, right in the centre of it. Now, every day, 16,000 people leave Leash to work in a different county. Christ. Yeah. That's almost half the population of a county spill out into another county to go work somewhere. The vast majority of those work in Dublin. Now, if you want to go to work in Sandyford or in Ballymount, yeah. there is no public transport solution for that. You're on your own. That's right. I mean, How, yeah, from from Leash anyway, because I was going to say the Lewis goes to Sandyford, but yeah. it doesn't, doesn't go from Leash. You have to go all the way to the city centre to come back out to Sandyford, though. So your answer is a car. Yeah. <laughs> There's your problem. You're back to the car solution again. Because when I was going to school as a young man, we learned in commerce, number one thing of you want to open a factory, you need a centre of place where, where there's some employees to that factory, right? So yeah. you went to a town and you built, like my hometown used to be Kildare Town. There's a place called a wallpaper factory in that. Uh, so they, they brought a factory to the town because there's a population as a workforce. Now we don't do that. What we do now is we build an industrial estate. And we build it on the outskirt of a town somewhere and people have to get to it. So right, we don't okay. build a factory in the town anymore. We build a factory somewhere else and people come to work there, which is why Pfizer in Newbridge is huge population. But most of the workers don't live in Newbridge. <laughs> most of them come from all over the country to go to yeah, yeah. Same for the pharmaceuticals down that loan. So we're making people come to the work rather than bringing the work to the person. Yeah. And this pandemic should have shown us that a vast majority of us don't actually need to go into an office. The yeah, big no, offices in Dublin city centre are useless. I agree with that because even still I'm working from home and our, my place that I work for has been like, oh, you know, you come back to the office, right? And I'm like, yeah, okay, fair enough. But is there no way that we could have like a, you know, semi work from home week where like three days on, like, what is it? Four days off or whatever the case is. Like, you know, we yep. come in for three days and home for the other few. Like it just, it doesn't make sense that we're so attached to, to the old ways, you know, we have to, like everything has to be done by this way. And if, if one I don't know if the loud minority, I suppose I call it, disagree with the way things are going, then we're like you know, nothing happens, nothing changes, everything stays the same. No. And do you know something? Keeping with the car industry team, do you know who invented the nine to five? The nine to five operation of work that everybody heralds as being the thing we should all do. Henry we Ford. don't. None of us do it. Henry Ford, correct. He created that so you can have, as the workers of the factories, that he created this production line factory thing. Mm-hmm. So those workers could spend time with their families. Mm-hmm. That's why he created 95. So at five o'clock, everyone would stop work. Not just some of them, not shift work, none of that stuff. Everybody went home, spent time with their families, with the kids, go to the pub, do whatever they wanted to do. Yeah. So life was really good at the beginning of 95. But what happened is... People couldn't get all of the work done in that nine to five hours and employers weren't willing to pay you for any more than that. So there's this fight happens of trying to get all the work done that's been required of you. So you start your own little work at eight o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning. You're already at this email stuff. Yeah. And then you come home at night time and you're picking up your phone, you're answering emails in the middle of the night. That's not, your nine to five is gone. It's yeah. dead. You need to quantify those times that are outside that time. Yeah, that's outrageous. Like, I'm on shift work at the minute, and like, when it changes from, say, what I was on one 
or half one to ten was the shift I was on before this one. It's like you just have no time. Like, I, don't get me wrong, I enjoy having the mornings because I can get up and do things, and then that's fine. And then I know the rest of my day is written off. But yeah, when it comes to like I'm on half seven to four, which isn't bad because I get the evening. You know that's fine. But um, like the, some of the hours you work, you're like, oh, this this is just too much. And then your days off aren't when everyone else's days off are, and yeah, all of that jazz. But it just it doesn't make sense to me. And as well as that, it just when it comes to certain things as well. Like I was talking to again my friends about um, there was an article recently that came out about how marijuana use was detrimental to the health of young people. <laughs> And I was the frighteners are on again. I see, but I just like I just don't get it. I'm like, fair enough, say what you want, but if it was so bad, it wouldn't be legal almost everywhere now at the minute. You know what I mean? And I'm sorry for like wedging yeah. this into our car talk, but it was just on my it's mind okay. when you were saying about how you know people are so reluctant to change, and we're we're just so set in our ways. And if we deviate from any other opinion aside from the one that we've known for the past fifty odd years, then it's just automatically demonized. And like, no, we can't have that. I just don't get it. That's an old thing. That's an old person thing, though. It's the, it's people are frightened of change, and it happens it, as a good theory for you. To remember, I don't know what age you are, but once you reach forty, twenty-three, I guarantee you, once you reach forty from your twenty-three, you will suddenly make a choice. As a man, I can only speak as a man, so I'm sorry if any women are listening to this, but I can speak this definitely as a man. At forty years old, men make two choices. Mm. One is they give up. Okay, so they just stop and they get chunky and they start to wear track suits every day and it's not because they're trying to be fit they just don't care anymore they give up so by the time they reach 50 they start having heart attacks that's that's essentially what men do right that's yeah. choice one choice two is to suddenly run ultra marathons <laughs> to suddenly go to the other end of the scale oh. and turn into a marathon runner right they go and they just drive themselves wild and that's that's what men do. Men are kind of weird like that. But old people, when they look back, they go, that's, that's, change is terrible. Change, 60-year-olds yeah. make rules. It's, the problem is most of our laws and rules and regulations and most of our TDs, most of people who work in, uh, so the TD, the civil servants around the TDs, these people are all coming up to retirement age. They've yeah. never had marijuana in this country for their entire life. Aside from the drugs are bad. Yes, well, apart from him, he's been smoking it. But um, uh, answer that question in a hot press interview. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, but drugs are bad in their mind. They're just yeah. bad. Everything's bad. Any change is bad for them. That's the way they want to do it. So you get these stories out where it's all bad, but yet it's legal in other countries. It's fine. And I understand if you regulate us, and I, I guarantee you, if you want to stop the war on drugs, you want to put drug dealers out of business. The government starts manufacturing drugs, and instantaneously. They compete with the drug dealers. That's it. It's all well, over. Exactly. That's what, that's what I was saying. And I even saw like a clip that blind boy and the fact that someone, I'm not, like, I'm sure he's a great advocate for everything, but the fact that someone with a plastic bag has to be the voice of reason when it comes to trying to regulate, <laughs> like it, it just doesn't, it doesn't add up. Like why can't we have someone who looks professional in a suit, speaking the language, having someone who has a, a reason or an actual debate that goes on that's like, actually what, what could be done as opposed to having it fuel the black market and the Hutchkin feud that seems to be the one thing inside coronavirus that we're all talking about at the minute. Why can't we just deplete the funds of these gangs by regulating the number one most consumed and prohibited drug in Ireland yep. so that the government can actually make more money and possibly get rid of some of these taxes they have on cars so we can have some, some nice things for once? Regulation is the key to everything. If you want 100%. to stop people feeling really terrible after they've had their marijuana smoking and you want to stop terrible. the side effects of it, yeah. then you just regulate it. 
right? So you say, this is what we want the psychoactive drug to do. And this is the limit of THC you can have inside of it. Then you've regulation. Then you go, well, we know what the side effect is going to be from that. But there is, of course, side effect. There is the downer on the next day and there's the kind of getting or the hangover, essentially, which you would have gotten from alcohol. Alcohol is not seen as a drug. Neither is cigarette seen as a drug. These things have been sold on the market all the time and been regulated. And look what's happened to them. We're now getting minimum pricing alcohol that's happening uh, next year. So yeah. from January, February next year, a minimum price for a bottle of wine is going to be seven seventy-five. Minimum. Yeah. Can't have the five or a bottle of wine anymore in little. It's gone. So it's yeah, all just... regulations are coming in for everything else, but they're not regulating the one thing that young people are doing out there right now. They're ignoring yeah. going, no, young people don't do that. Just the same as young people don't have sex. Let's not regulate that either. Let's not do anything about that. It's fine. Yeah. It's Catholic Church would be so, so disappointed in us. I know, yeah. <laughs> gay sex doesn't happen. Yeah. There's no such thing as lesbians. Let's just no. leave all that out. Let's just go holy Catholic Ireland now, and we'll just keep it that way. That's yeah, exactly. That's, that's old people, though, and I'm one of the old people, but I'm a little bit more modern thinking. Bob, don't don't do yourself dirty like that. No, no, no. You're into cool things like cars. Come on, no, no, no. I know, but I'm nearly fifty. I should behave myself. I should be wearing. I I got a comment on my YouTube video the other day. A guy says, "Why is this man dressed as a teenager? Why is this old man dressed as a teenager?" Or something. I was wearing a hoodie. I saw. Yeah. Like that. Uh, why is this all my dress a teenager and tell us how bad the car is and I go what's the teenager bit what's that about I don't get it Pipe I'm engine, not allowed to wear certain clothes yeah hate is such a weird thing online oh so because I, I as you know I run that account and I have over like 100,000 followers or something and yeah. the amount of times that people have come at me and just added me like they don't, they don't see my face I don't put my face on it I'm not, not someone like that but like they come at me with the most weirdest thing when I have an opinion on something or when I'm just like most of the things I do are just like oh you should if you want to be better do this and everyone's like yeah most of them are like great 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 and then I have people that like you're, you're just a fundamentalist you're a Christian terrorist <laughs> yeah. how dare you and I'm like oh okay I'm sorry I'm just trying to help you know? do you know what I hate though you know when I upload a video on YouTube so I'm in it I don't want to upload it to be critiqued. Do you follow mm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I just upload a video and watch it, not watch it. I really don't care. Yeah. But I never asked you to come on to Twitter or any other platform and go, you know, if you didn't dress like that, it would be a better video. If you spoke slower or if you spoke with a better accent or something. And you kind of go, why are you telling me this? I yeah. don't care what your opinion is. <laughs> just yeah, exactly. watch the video or don't watch the video. <laughs> Yeah, I think I don't know if it was on a live stream that you did or like in one of your videos you're saying Twitter is a bad environment and I just couldn't agree more because I, I don't Twitter's use awful. Twitter but I logged on to it the other day because um, I think we were I don't know we were checking something and because my friend handed me his phone or whatever and I was scrolling through and I was like this is just people shouting in 140 characters like what this it's is just, my opinion yeah but it makes you feel That's so it. bad you're just like what, what am I doing here what's the point should be out driving nice cars and making videos of it. Like, yeah, I have five and a half thousand followers or something on Twitter, and I haven't tweeted a whole lot in, in ages because every time I go in, it's if I tweet something, and it might be my opinion, it could be something I'm just saying. Look, I don't agree with the government on this. Yeah, there's this pylon effect, as everyone who doesn't agree with you finds you instantaneously the people who agree with you don't find you it's the people who disagree with you to actually find you yeah. so I find that effect very mentally unstable for people yeah it will fire the wrong signals in your brain you will you will start to argue with people you start to go well, I just block you just block you just end up yeah. this moment of block so I stay away from that and I try to stay a little bit away from Facebook as much as possible because Facebook is Facebook is a nasty place which feeds you nasty things mm. if you like if you like plane crashes on Facebook, you will see much more plane crashes on Facebook. Yeah, no matter how disturbing that is in your brain, that's what you're going to see next. It's just because what grabs your attention and you're like, oh, 
Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. But even Facebook like, doesn't care what it is you're looking at. No. The content is irrelevant. If you want to see fundamentalists in Saudi Arabia do something and you search for that in Facebook, Facebook will just wall to wall give you that now because that's yeah. what keeps you scrolling. Yeah. And you feel like even with TikTok, it's kind of dangerous. You'd lose an hours on TikTok just going like, yeah. and you do. And How it's, did it's, you do that dance? How yeah. did that stuff? <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. That thing happens to me. <laughs> oh my god no it's such a it's such a trap and i like tiktok is the only app that i have like a timer set on so that i don't go past like an hour on it <laughs> and i'm like i just can't do this because it'll just catch I me do. i'll just keep scrolling and i'll just be like oh that's nice and then i'll be like oh that's a cool car i wonder what i wonder what they did to that one and then i'll end up searching and be like oh that's pretty cool and then it just happens over and over and over again yeah well love though is tiktok has this amazing and it changed recently but it has this amazing ability to give you what you like and then every once in a while throw you a little curveball yeah, yeah, yeah you like this so here's something else and you go oh wow that's amazing like yeah. i'm going to comment on this one then suddenly that little curveball becomes your for you page yeah and then you've lost whatever it is you were looking at two hours ago is now disappeared cats are falling downstairs <laughs> there's dogs jumping over ditches and there's women dancing in underwear and you're going how did i end up here i started looking at cars yeah yeah i haven't happens. seen a car in an hour and a half <laughs> yeah i think it's like you like a car this other person like the car but they also like this so you might like this and then it throws it in and then it kind of loops yeah. it in and then eventually clever. you just get to women dancing no matter what you do uh, and then it's not a big commitment do you know there's a, I have a theory that I what I call the Netflix commitment. Okay, go on. So you you sit down. You're going. I'm going to I'm going to watch something on Netflix on Prime, on Prime Amazon Disney whatever it is you mm. right. Mm. But you'd never heard of it. So you click through the list and you go, wow, there's a series that looks interesting. And you read the blob, the bio thing. Then you go, I'll save that to the watch later. Right. And you go on. You look at something else. But you just spent an hour not watching anything. Because you're trying to choose what to watch, right? It happens, and that's the that's the that's the Netflix commitment. TikTok, the TikTok commitment is 15 seconds. Yeah, that's right. So you could watch rubbish 15 million times, but you haven't. You've only committed about an hour to the whole thing. The whole experience is over in an hour. But if you start something, watch something on Netflix, and you're two episodes in, and five hours have passed by, and you go, "This is rubbish. Like, yeah. why am I watching this?" Now you committed to it, though. You had to finish it. That's right. Yeah, that was like me and Bones. Um, I started. You ever watch the series Bones? No, I never seen it. No. Right. Okay. It's just like it's just like a cop show. Right. Long story short. Oh, I think I've seen the thing. Yeah. They, they, she's a she analyzes corpse or something. Right. Yeah. yeah she's a forensic yeah. anthropologist. That's I used it. to love Bones when I was growing up. Right. It was on uh, Fox or something. Then I, then I lost it and I couldn't find it. And then it was on Disney Plus now recently. And did I watch all the twelve seasons in the space of about two weeks? Yes. Yes, I did because I was so committed to it because I couldn't let it go. And I, and I was saying it to my friends the other day. I was like. I know I'm addicted to it, but I also, I love it and I want it to be over so I can get back with my life. I, don't want, I need to get back on track. I need, to, I need to stop this right now. And then I got to the end of it and I was disheartened, but I was also chuffed because I was like, oh, okay, it's done. I know what happens. I've seen yeah, it all, yeah. and I can proceed. I know that's the thing is that it's the, the end of commitment. I have, must finish this like a bad book or yeah. a bad video on YouTube. There's points where like it's different levels of commitment. So YouTube is generally like 10, 12 minutes of a video. Sometimes it's 25 minutes of a video, but it just depends on how much you're willing to commit to it. And it's all about watch time. So that's a monetized length of time you're going to spend online. Whereas, whereas like Amazon prime or whatever, where there's just, a wall of content. Yeah. You don't know where to start with the stuff. I just wasted more time in the last two weeks looking for something to watch than I did watching it. That's the way it happens on like any mm. subscription service ever. Yeah. Speaking of yeah. uh, things to watch, I saw because I was 
on TikTok again last night and I was kind of flicking through car TikTok as you do. And um, there's like three three main people who I get. There's you, there's another guy who runs a dealership and another guy who drives the Volkswagen Shocker. I don't know his name. But um, <laughs> and he was like, oh, uh, possibility of, you know, whatever you want, uh, TikTok gear coming out with uh, yourself. Oh, and Irish Katrina. Top Gear has come up yeah. a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thoughts? There is, there is. We are in negotiations, yeah, to do that. Is that like a TV thing or is that a YouTube thing? No, it'll be a YouTube thing. And probably, now I'm in negotiations with a TV show this year, which isn't Irish Top Gear. It, it does feature cars. And oh. It will feature cars and, and other uh, transport devices. And that will be on television. So that that is happening. We have to film a pilot. The, the, essentially the... Um, the lockdown killed fun, right? So right, you, yes. can't, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't meet up with people to go and drift cars and have fun in that respect to make something for television. So they don't like this. This was frowned upon. So we had to keep putting it off. Uh, but it, that we are now starting to plan that TV show. So that will probably go ahead. And if all goes according to plan, that will actually show this autumn on TV. Oh, very good. Um, yeah, it'd be pretty good. I'd love to do it. This is going to be something fun. It it does. It's definitely fun. It's definitely cards. It's definitely tongue in cheek, bit of a laugh thing. And that will go ahead anyway, one way or the other. But myself and another guy called Jason McConnell, uh-huh. who uh, he's in a dealership in Monaghan, Northern mm-hmm. Ireland. Um, he is mad into cars, like uh, as a proper dealership, but he's mad into actual cars. He's not just trying to sell you cars all the time. Yeah. So he, the two of us, without actually noticing, the two of us started to be named like for top gear stuff you know you two should get together and make something oh, my God. so uh i went up to rally school Ireland with him we did some mad yokes and cars and that yeah. film is coming out i think on friday on jason's ca- uh, account um but we've been talking as well about actually making a and just a youtube account on its own just the two of us making user generated content and just having a laugh just that i would i would watch that because i was looking at yeah. like i was even saying it because i was showing it to my dad um earlier on i was like the production value on this is insane like you were saying like everyone's getting bored of shots with drones i was like no this is this is good like you know you yeah. sit down and think like this if this was on television if this was on a segment i would sit down and believe it 100 percent. yeah that's I the problem is unfortunately tv is so constrictive yeah no you're better that, off doing it by yourself yeah because you immediately come up against a pile of rules for production things you have insurance you have camera stuff you've all that's before you start shooting at all yeah and then once you actually produce the thing uh, it has to go through like layers of committees to make sure it's still good for it goes on TV. And once it's on TV, then they, you're forgotten about. You know, yeah. you may never actually, they might not even tweet about you or promote your series or whatever it is. So it just disappears. And you get paid, which is the only good side of TV. You've yeah. been paid for it. Whereas YouTube, you don't get paid, but you're guaranteed they're putting your stuff out and finding an audience somewhere, you know? Yeah, no, but like you were saying, like the fact that you two have such a big audience on TikTok, I'm sure that could translate into something that would be on YouTube. And with your audience, well, you've like, what, over 60-something thousand followers or subscribers on yeah, YouTube? Yeah, already on YouTube, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I can see that becoming a real thing. And obviously, it's yeah. like new. I, I and no car reviews in it. It should be the other part. Like, it's just just two lads having a crack, like, having a laugh. Now, there be, could be four or five people involved in this, which I, I'd hope there'd be. Like, there's a couple of other guys who are making YouTube content right now about cars yeah. who I think would be pretty good in the role of doing something separately as well. So you just have this this wall of content coming at you, all about cars, all about lads having a laugh, not reviewing stuff, not sitting back going, this is the best car you've ever driven. This is just 
lads acting the bollocks like <laughs> that's what people want to see they want yeah, a bit exactly. of fun you know 100% I, I, yeah do it I'm sorry I, I have no influence on your life but I'm just telling you to do it <laughs> but that's why people watch an the, avid the M4 video they want to see me drive fast because I'm allowed to do it and but they're not allowed to do it you know what I mean it's that moment of looking at them going I can't believe they got away with that you know yeah, so that's yeah. that's what we do so what's the, what's the thing on TV though can you say any more about it or is it just I can't, at the moment I can't I'd love to but once I say what it is, the plot is gone. You'll, you'll see it's never been done before right. what we're trying to do on TV. We're trying to do it in a very Irish way. So not like this is not like taking DIY SOS, car SOS and putting it on Irish. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I will only make content that's good for Ireland in a unique way. I don't want to copy Top Gear and I don't want to copy Fifth Gear or... Like was I say, the fifth, was fifth Gear the one that was on TV3 or something like that? Was fifth Gear was a kind of Channel 5 thing Channel in the five, UK right. with Johnny Smith and Tiffany Dell and kind of What was the one gear. they did in Ireland? The Whatever that was. There was one called Changing Seat. No, Driving Seat. And it was called something else as well. It was another name for it, an older one. It was called something yeah. else as well. I just know um, if it was some tragic series a while ago that was on Ireland. I was like, oh, yeah, it's very hard. The problem is funding is the problem yeah. here. If you want to fund a car show, who do you who do you approach? Car companies. What are car companies going to give you money for? To be nice about the cars. That's so right. you, you're yeah. already at a loggerhead. You're bought <laughs> in already, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're kind of screwed already. The other one is to go to insurance companies, but insurance companies don't want to see you driving the car fast or taking chances in the car. So then you're kind of restricted what you can do again. So it's hard to get funding here, you know. Especially in Ireland, I suppose, insurance companies. Yeah, Nothing very like. small pool here. I mean, we yeah. have very few banks, let alone anyone else. Even to get a, a loan here is a problem, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll never get a house outright. Anyway, not important. <laughs> Welcome to the way we were in the year 2003 or four, somewhere around there. Same thing. Huge interest rates, no houses to be bought. Every house was costing bazillions of money, yeah. and uh, nobody could afford them. That was that was before the crash. Yeah, I was kind of concerned because before I started, there's like um, lads working in a house like three doors down from me, and there's a big log cabin being built out the back garden, which I assume is for the kids or something like that. Like, fair play <laughs> at the same time, I respect it, but um, yeah, no, because like you're not going anywhere anytime soon, unfortunately. No. Um. But yeah, Bob, listen, that's that's all I, I, I can think to ask you. And I, I appreciate your time coming on here. I know you're busy. You have no content to film. Um, but it's really exciting because I love chatting to people who I see and like they are doing something really cool that I would love to do. Um, and listen, I just really appreciate it. No problem at all. Anytime, Ryan. No worries. And uh, if you're if you're up in the, ever in the Wicklow Mountains and you have a nice car that you just want to you want a second opinion on, just <laughs> give me a text and uh, I'll be happy to. I'll be a cameraman for a day. I don't care. <laughs> You know, it'd be deadly if I could actually take up all the offers of camera work or I'll carry your bags for you. I literally would have nothing to do with driving. <laughs> Everyone's probably not, to be fair. Footman. That's such a that's such a move by people in my generation. It's like if you watch any Gary V video, it's like, what you got to do is approach someone and say, I'll work for you for free for 30 And like, yeah, everyone's doing that. I get it. I get it. I, yeah. I had, when I started TikTok, like last October, November, I think it was early November, late October, I started TikTok. So I crossed 100,000 followers now. It's yeah. like six months, seven months, something like that. But in that time, it was a little brief period where I was getting about two or 3,000 followers a day. Like wow. a wow. day. This was going to bed with 10,000 followers, waking up with 20,000 followers, right? It's just like, Yikes. what happened? Yeah. What did I do? You instantly think I did something wrong overnight. You know, you look at the thing going, oh my God, I got so many. What have, what have I done? Did I say something really bad? Or yeah. But it wasn't. But in that, every second comment, like I was waking up to 150, 160,000 comments, right? 
Yeah. It's impossible to see them all. But every second comment was, I'll work for you for free. Just yeah. tell me anywhere. I'll go anywhere. I'll cross the country. I'll stand outside your door. It was just like, I want to do your job. That was it. They wanted a bit. It was, it was amazing offers. Yeah, but what I'm saying though, so like, you know, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, Ryan. I turned them all down just so you could have it. Thank you. I, like, listen, at least you get me. You know what I mean? I appreciate that. <laughs> no problem. Anytime. Yeah, Bob, I appreciate it. And then, um, I don't know, uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime. Hopefully we'll be able to do it in person, which would be nice. And, that would be uh, lovely. I, yeah. I'm looking forward. I, I will never turn down an offer ever single again of actually going somewhere to, to do something like a podcast. I will. Yeah. I used to go, mm, it's kind of boring. Now, oh man, I'd go up to Belfast to see Foster and Allen. Like, <laughs> it would be fine. Yeah, Whatever, yeah. Whatever's going, I'll go to it. But, you know, I appreciate that, Bob. And, uh, take it easy. Have a good day. Have a good rest of your week, whatever. And uh, hopefully I'll chat to you soon.